This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Kia ora. You're listening to The Locals on Free FM 89.0. Ko Dan Armstrong, toko ingoa. A couple of years ago, I met today's guest as he was standing for the mayoralty of Waitomo. And since then, have wanted to have a chat with them as he seemed to have an interesting CV. Now, the Waitomo and broader King Country has a special place in my heart. Te Kuiti, Marakopa, Pio Pio, Labrador. So in June, I caught up with today's guest not only to discuss how they got into the position that they're in, but the state of things locally. So let's crack into it. This is The Locals, and this is Waitomo Mayor John Robertson. You grew up near Pio Pio. Uh, this would have been, I presume, back in the 50s and 60s. Can you give us a sense of what that childhood and growing up in the area was like? You know, in those days, that was in the 1950s. Um, uh, you know, you think of the the number of farms that there were, were there then. But I always think, you know, farm life, growing up on a farm, I'm, I've been terribly fortunate and um, uh, it, it it was a great life where... You know, everything was outside and didn't, of course, have all the the, the technology and things we have now. Um, but, um, yeah, a very, a very good um, outside rural sort of life. And from growing up uh, in the Waitomo, you would go on uh, to work internationally. You would end up uh, in uh, America. Uh, can you give us a sense of the things you were doing before you entered Parliament? Um, yes, I, I've worked on the farm for a year. You know, I think um, it's interesting. In those days, expectations um, when you went through school in a rural area were, were not that were not to go on to uh, more education to university. So I grew up like many rural uh, children in those days um, uh, with aspirations to go farming. Um, I spent a year on the farm, and then I. Um, went away to the Solomon Islands as a volunteer. So worked in a, you know, a developing uh, nation. This was back in the early 70s, and that was a great experience. A couple of volunteers from uh, the UK, the, they convinced me at that time that I should try to go to university. So I did that, went through Massey, um, and then went on to do a master's degree at the University of Washington. So. Uh, again, um, very you know, very lucky. Very uh, had a had a great time really going into Seattle, where the University of Washington is, and starting business there. Staying on for eight years before, as you've indicated, returning to New Zealand to enter Parliament in 1990. What was life like in the National Party and the National Caucus uh, until you split off? to help form United NZ? Um, it, it was a great experience. I went into Parliament in 1990. In, in 1990, that if you 
think of it, that was after the Labour government, uh, with the, the reformist Labour government, with Roger Douglas, um, David Longy, uh, went into national, had a, long, a landslide um, win in 1990. Um, I, I was new to that whole environment, new to the National Party, in fact, and um, was put in immediate, you know, when I, when I got there to chair the Foreign Affairs and Defence Committee, and that alone was a fantastic experience. I, I walked into the room to become chairman, and on my left was David Longy, Fran Wilde, uh, Sonia Davies, and Jim Anderton. And so some very experienced politicians um, uh, in the opposition, if you like, at that time. And on my right was, were people, um, very new, all new MPs like Nick Smith. Um, and so just that experience of going straight into Parliament, straight into chairing a Foreign Affairs and Defence Committee was fantastic. Um, it, there, were tough, there were controversial times, though, then, because... Um, National had in the election campaign promised certain things and uh, um, and didn't deliver on everything. So Jim Bolger was the uh, Prime Minister. Um, so while there were tough times, there was also that whole um, collegiateship really of Parliament and some wonderful people on both sides of the House. Uh, can you give us a sense of why you and a handful of other MPs um, decided to leave uh, National and, and Labour and form your own party? Yes. the um, If you think in those times, 1996 was destined as the year that uh, MMP was to come along. So Parliament passed the legislation to have MMP start and replaced the first-past-the-post system in 1996. A group of us from both sides of the House, um, probably a year or two years before that, had started talking about, for MMP to work, if you looked, we, we looked at the German model, you needed, we thought, a centre party. And so um, uh, the, the, the party started or it's before the party started um, I was um, flatting with a person called Bruce Cliff who was the MP for North Shore National we knew Clive Mathewson and Margaret Austin who were both front bench MPs from Labour and we had uh, quiet discussions with them and, and I guess we found that there was a whole group that was concerned that we needed, Parliament needed to create a centre party to make MMP work and so we we were the the people. The, there were seven of us that uh, went out to create that party. Um, we, you know, I would st still say we did the right thing, but we were electorally um, unsuccessful um, in 1996 when MMP came. And in effect, Winston with New Zealand First became the centre party um, uh, in, in 1996. Uh, so after uh, you uh, didn't make it back into Parliament in '96, uh, you you wouldn't just have a quiet few years. Instead, you would end up uh, as the mayor in Papakura, 2004 to 2007. 
Uh, and then uh, by the early 2010s, uh, when uh, Kaipara was frankly in a bit of a debacle, then you would become the chair for the commission into effectively getting their finances sorted and making the place work. Those two different, you know, very different types of governance. How did they? How did they shape your your local government thinking? After I left Parliament in '96, I went back into the private sector, and I've always, I've, I've really sort of always kept in touch with the private sector and the public sector since since going into Parliament. Um, the the private sector, I've been on boards in a lot of cases in, in um, start-up companies um, and then also chairing statutory boards as well. But the uh, I've always thought the private sector, we have a clear goal to, if you like, generate revenue and generate profits. In the public sector, it's much more complex and that's in a way why I perhaps enjoy it because you don't have you sort of have a goal of of great outcomes for a population or for a community, but um, they're not easily measured. And as we know, whereas in the, the private sector, you, you, you have that goal, you know that you generate revenue, you have certain expenses and the, and the profit hopefully comes out the other end. In the public sector, um, you tax people and then you have to decide what you're going to apply those taxes to um, and set some priorities and they are complex so social policy especially I mean the economic policy the settings we've, we've got you know reasonable understanding um, for, through Treasury of how to to set those um, policies to generate economic growth but the social policy side is really complex and in a way I enjoy that but it's very challenging and as an accountant I wish we could measure outcomes better than we do. You're listening to The Locals on Free FM 89.0. Welcome back. In the second half of our chat with Waitomo Mayor John Robertson, we're getting into local issues. So bringing us forward to 2019, you entered the mayoralty race for the Waitomo district in some of your uh, media and uh, what you were discussing at the time, was effectively stating that the existing uh, Waitomo District Council under Brian Hanna hadn't done its job right fiscally, uh, that debt was too high, lack of transparency, that type of thing. That resonated with the majority of voters and you're elected uh, a little under two years ago now. Looking at those two years... How has resettling into a mayoralty been? Um, I, you know, you're right. I had specific concerns. I had had for some years about the financial state of the Waitomo Council and things, matters of, of governance. But, you know, I also acknowledge um, Brian Hanna as the mayor for nine years and six years before that as a councillor. Um, and so... You know, as with these things, you, you set your priorities and, and move on. So, um, in my last two years, I set. You know, my goal is to we, we have we have the highest debt of all councils in rural New Zealand per capita in Waitomo, and we have relatively high rates. So, my goal, in a financial sense, is to 
start to bring debt down is to hold rates. So this year, for instance, we will have a zero rate increase. Um, and then in a governance sense, to open the council up to engage with more of the population and to, um, you know, to, to get uh, governance that's, that's excellent. Um, so we're moving, you know, these are step-by-step -step type things. I think after um, two and three years, I'll be able to record that we we have started on that journey to do things um, really well and to get the finances um, into good shape. It hasn't been a quiet couple years for you in the mayoralty. Uh, chatting with some of your councillors, hmm, how do I say it in the most dipl diplomatic sense? There's There's been a bit of controversy around you uh, with your social media posts, with your uh, voting and actions on council and uh, opposition from the majority of your councillors. You know, I'm, I'm conscious that we record this a few days after uh, voting to put continued funding into, I think it's the advertising for the timber trail. How is that relationship in mid-2021? Um, you're right. The, the 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 relationship has been um, one of quite a bit of tension, and I, I put it down to look. I, uh, you know, when you stand for the mayoralty and win, and others, the other councillors have uh, are pretty well the same councillors who have stood again. You come into you know, I I won. I come into a forum where. Most of the councillors had been with the previous mayor for at least the last um, at, at least the last uh, t ten years. So I was an outsider, and and in a way, I still feel I still feel uh, very much an outsider around the council table. Um, but um, you know, I guess I feel strong support from the community, so that always keeps you going in a political sense um, the there are still issues um, philosophical differences between me and um, and I guess the majority of the councillors um, I probably put it down to saying you know I'd like to get more change um, through the place and the council the existing councillors that have been there a long time would say look things are fine as they as they are so there is that tension um, but um, we've just got to work on most, you know, on most issues. Um, councils agree around the table. There are some issues that we don't agree on, um, and they can be philosophical ones, like you mentioned the timber trail. I'm pretty, you know, feel pretty strongly that ratepayers' money should not go into support private enterprise. I come from private enterprise, and that's a that's a strong belief I have, and. Uh, so there's been an issue in the in in the last year over whether council should fund promotion of a timber trail, um, and and that split the council. But otherwise, on, you know, on many other issues, on most other issues, we we get through without a split vote. I'd be really interested as we go into the last sort of ten fifteen minutes of this conversation to have a talk about the Waitomo district today. You mentioned to me uh, you have a real interest around improving housing uh, in the district. Can you tell me a bit about that? Um, yes, the, the Waitomo district 
if we if we look back the last twenty years, like most of much of rural New Zealand, um, population wise, we've been stagnant. We have not not grown in the last twenty years. Whereas if you take the national statistics, the New Zealand's population has grown twenty percent in the last twenty years. Um, so we're a, we're a community where um, you know we have Tikwiti as the main town. Um, Tikwiti, it would be it, it, it would be great to see more shoppers in town, the schools in our communities. It would be great to see um, the uh, ch- children that attend our schools in the numbers that they used to, you know, ten, twenty years ago. Um, so we've got we've got those challenges, um, uh, and to me, um, to 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 secure population growth, we need housing. Um, we also need some housing that's fixed up. So um, I've reached out to Kaiangaora, to Housing New Zealand, to to ask them to come back into Tikwiti. And um, that's important. Warm, dry housing, stability of population, stability for schools is really important. So um, again, around the council table, we've all agreed that population growth is important for us um, for our towns in this district, and with that as a key goal, we are trying to put in place those things that assist to um, secure growth. And in many ways, we can't get a better opportunity than in New Zealand than than now, um, when the housing is stretched and where affordability issues are huge in in our cities and in you know both Ham- obviously Auckland but also Hamilton now. So. Um, there is a bit of population growth, I think, happening now, but they're not. You know, we can't record those yet as statistics. But I think it. I get a feeling it's happening. Uh, beyond starting a corridor with uh, Kainga Ora uh, and other parties, uh, considered anything around, uh, say, the likes of funding and building pensioner flats or social housing, especially now that we've got the four well-beings back into local government. So we have. We, we certainly have that thought of that, but not for and not having council actually doing in the construction and the owning of that. So the engagement uh, with Kaiangaora, for instance, has been around social housing. Council has some land, some spare land, some vacant land in Tikawiti, for instance, zoned residential, ready for housing. And um, so to get Kaingaora interested, um, you know. I've said to them, look, um, I know they've got for the region a goal of about 800 new homes in the through to 2025 in Waikato, and they really haven't penciled any in for Tikawiti. You know, 10 houses in Tikawiti would make a significant difference, and so that's that's the track we're really taking. Is let's let's find a partner like um, uh, for social housing crack that with one with the first development and we're working on that now then um, we can develop that partnership that looks at other things including pensioner housing perfect so you give them the land they give you the house everyone's happy we'll we'll sell them the land but we'll use that cash to put in the roading infrastructure and uh, so yes it's a great it is a good model and and it's there because we have have land sitting idle the Waitomo district isn't purely tikwiti You've got the likes 
of uh, Moko uh, out on the coast, and you have a situation there which between uh, coastal erosion and sea level rise, uh, parts of the community are being eaten away. Now, what's the work that council is doing to uh, protect, whether it's to uh, build up support um, or is there a transition plan uh, for the coastal communities that come under your under your leadership? Um, you're, you're right in Mokau. We've got the same in Maricopa in a different way because mm. it's a lot. It doesn't have the cliffs of Mokau. Um, now, uh, uh, from a council perspective, we 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 take um, we look at it this way. We cannot prevent you know, nationally or for a council, um, climate change and um, rising sea levels and changing weather patterns and so on. So we we start from that position. We say, um, look, we've got some public uh, land, public roads in some of those areas. Um, We have to make a call on the extent to which we try to protect those against the the elements. And... um, our view is, and I think this is with all councils in New Zealand, is we can't, as a council, um, do much to protect private property along those coasts. And certainly we're not offering to fund any, um, you know, seawalls and things like that. And we have those open discussions with those in the community, and I think it's, it's you know, it's accepted in the community that... Um, Climate change is happening. There are um, there are areas that we will not be able to, you know, that that we won't be able to live in. So people need to plan for that as councils do. Could you give me your vision of the Waitomo district in, uh, say, twenty seventy? What's your vision in sort of fifty years down the line? Well, that's a that's a big big question. Um, and it's especially a big question because of the way um, we're reshaping central government as and you know, reshaping the economy. Um, so I think in, in 70 years' time, the um, the form of agriculture may well be different. Um, we're, I mean, in the I'm going to call it the king country here. Um, we are high, you know, we're we're steep country, we're sheep and cattle farming, and we've got some some dairy farming that's come into our district. Um, There will be changes in 70 years' time as to the form of that agriculture Um, and, you know, the degree to which there's there's farms being bought now to be put into trees totally. Um, And so I expect that sort of trend to, to continue. So I'd see a king country still with its wonderful natural features, with some farming of um, you know various types, um, forestry you know, or, or trees. Um, you know we've got some. We've got forty percent of our area is dock estate, so um, we've got some wonderful scenic um, areas, and um, uh, it's still you know um, land that that helps feed. The population feeds the urban centres. When you're not being uh, his worship, the mayor, uh, what 
what do you sit down and do beyond obviously sitting down and listening to 89.0 free FM? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've gone actually back. My parents had a thousand acre farm. They sold most of it, and but they kept 60 acres till their death. And so um, I used to go back there in their late years and start. Um, they, they were great tree planters, gardeners, and I have the same sort of thing. So what do I do? I enjoy just getting out on the 60 acres, planting trees. We, we're growing natives from seed, you know, um, and just I'm going to plant the whole 60 acres in the end will be, um, you know, both exotic and natives. And so that's, that. yeah, I, I just enjoy that. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's the relaxation of the King Country Hills. Thanks, John. It was good to chat. Now, the Waitomo District Council has a pretty good website. Whether you want to know what's happening with the King Country Indoor Sport and Recreation Centre or just on rates and other bits and bobs. That's all at waitomo.govt.nz or you can give them a call, even during Level 3, at 0800 932 4357. And that wraps up another show. You can find this and other episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search The Locals. And I'll post those links on the Dan Armstrong Y Park and Country Facebook page. We'll be back with another episode next week. But until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. Hi da. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.